I work one-on-one, -on -one, you know, very private uh, interaction with the client and the kids and all that. So mine was a complete halt. And uh, social media has really been the saving grace. Just doing activities here at home with my daughter and uh, just putting it on Instagram and saying, look, you know, this is what we're doing. We're, you know, keep busy, little activities here and there. And that's really been the, the motivator for us. I work one-on-one, -on -one, you know, very private uh, interaction with the client and the kids and all that. So mine was a complete halt. And uh, social media has really been the saving grace. Just doing activities here at home with my daughter and uh, just putting it on Instagram and saying, look, you know, this is what we're doing, we're, you know, keep busy, little activities here and there. And that's really been the, the motivator for us. Everyday triumphs, extraordinary outcomes, a space where narratives connect. This is the Big Idea Box podcast. Born at the Lab Miami, this podcast invites all entrepreneurs to share, support, and empower. Hi, everyone. Welcome, and thank you so much for joining virtually tonight for our fourth and final episode of our Conquering Crisis webinar series. Tonight, we have a really special panel of brick-and-mortar business owners and I'm super excited to introduce them and hear from them and just catch up and see how things are going. And hopefully this will be a good resource for you as a business owner. And please feel free to ask questions. On the bottom of your screen, you'll see a little Q&A icon. Feel free to click on that and just dump in questions that you have throughout the panel. We'll be answering them as the time goes on. So any questions that you have, please, audience participation is super encouraged. And I will introduce our panel. We have Max Antonio, who is the co-founder of Veza Sur Brewery. I'm sure you guys are very familiar with their amazing beer and amazing facility here in Wynwood. <laughs> Cheers. We have Alvaro Nunez, who is an owner and operator of Little Swimmers which is a swimming academy that teaches anyone from eight months to full adulthood how to swim, which is obviously super important here in South Florida. Veronica, who is the co-founder of Love Life Cafe, which is an amazing vegan cafe right across the street from us at the lab. Love them. Definitely go there like at least a few times a week. And then our moderator is Arian Rashed, who moderates most of our brain food speaker series. So you'll probably recognize her face. So she's going to be leading this conversation today. And she just launched a new brand, a Pilates studio called Tremble during this whole crisis. So I'm sure she has a lot to say about everything going on. And then finally, I'll just mention Rebecca Danta, who has been my partner on this whole webinar series. She's with Miami Angels, who's an angel investing firm here in South Florida. So thank you guys once again, and I will hand it over to Arian. Thank you. So grateful to be here with you guys virtually, and I know that we have a lot in the audience, and um, we've gathered a lot of really great questions today, so I'm really excited to get started. Um, and thank you, Rachel, for the introduction. So guys, let's just delve right into it. Um, what was your initial reaction to all of this coming? You know, for, for some of us, that was May 16th, May 18th, and you know, we all started got, getting sprinklings of, you know, things beginning to change for us. What was your initial reaction to all of this? I guess I'll go. I was actually in Brazil <laughs> when the whole thing happened. 
And I just kept communicating with the team and monitoring the amount of people that were still like coming in the door, but implementing, you know, wiping everything down and, and starting like little steps to make people feel comfortable to continue coming in the door. But I think it was the initial reaction was a was a very unknown feeling. You know, it was just something very much like I've never been through this before and I have no idea what's going to happen. And your mind is already going a million miles an hour of what is it that we're going to have to do, you know, if things get really bad. But every day was a new discovery. So it was like a slow process. What does that do to a leader? You know, what kind of impact does that have on you as a leader? Uh, for me, it was it was a bit scary. You know, I had the staff was ready to go. We, we work on a, on a schedule basis. So we had a lot of appointments. So we had to scramble quick, get in contact with all those already future booked. Like, I mean, they're already booked and had to start the process of letting them know that, you know, we're going to have to shut down and how to accommodate all of them. So uh, that, that was, you know, my initial first reaction. And as a leader, I had to let the staff know not only that we had to accommodate these lessons, but on top of that, their, you know, their work was going to be halted for, gotten, you know, we didn't know until how long it was going to be. Yeah, I think for us, it was initially slower to, you know, realize because we had still customers, you know, come into the brewery and like, we had changed our cleaning protocol and whatnot, but until I think March 15, 16, it wasn't really clear how that was going to change. You're obviously reading the news, but it's very different to kind of when it really hits you. And I think that's really when we changed really fast. I mean, officially we were still allowed to be open, I think on the 16th, but we said, okay, let's pivot to pickup only. We changed the setup at the brewery, but then we also have the production site. So that was obviously something we had to manage. And we were selling or still are selling to grocery stores. So we also had our sales team and our wholesale partners and whatnot. So there was different things happening at very different parts of the business. And it was definitely, I mean, that week was very intense because it was picking up. And every day, you know, every two hours, there was something new hitting you. And you're like, okay, what does that mean for us? I don't know. Okay, let's figure it out. Like that was definitely, I think, the, an intense week. After that, it wasn't that much better, but it started to get better after two weeks. I think we kind of found our footing and, and kind of, okay, this is what this is going to look like for some weeks to come. Yeah, I don't think any of us will forget that that moment, right? Those first That first week will be something that I think we'll always remember for the rest of our lives. I wanted to ask you guys, how have you guys been able to keep both your employees and your customers engaged? Like, what has that process been like? And, you know, was it has it been easy and and what what avenues have you taken to continue to engage your customers and your employees if, if possible if at all you, you've been able to the extent that you have for for customers you know we we're actually very grateful and very surprised that the customers they continued coming like you said about visa people were still coming in it was the same you know we went from until the government said you cannot have people in people were still going which is great we made some changes to keep them engaged meaning we opened up a mini market we started packing our own foods something that we didn't do before and to to go containers and people can take the food home we worked a lot on improving our pickup and delivery services um, something that we didn't focus as much before but just really improving the packaging and the 
customer experience and the overall right delivery service situation and a lot of social media a lot of instagramming a lot of emailing on the customer side and on the team side it definitely has been very difficult because everybody's very stressed out right so you have a team coming to work every day that their pay is extremely reduced and we're trying to give as many hours you know we went from 41 employees to right now we have about 12 on the schedule and we're still trying to whenever we need an extra person to bring one of those people that are not working so they all end up being being very spread in the hours so it's having a a a employee come to work excited and ready to work and like passionate about what they do when they are not sure how they're going to pay their bills tomorrow and you know they're going through this huge stress situation it's been really tough but as we invent things to increase the sales and hoping that we're going to get some support you know we're we always try to uh, remind them that it's not going to last forever that things are going to get better and you know trying to keep their spirits high yeah i think just to add from like similar retail side i mean obviously you know you hit a wall and your revenue just tanks and and i think the offense was the best defense as veronica mentioned you know like at the beginning we were not allowed to do deliveries once that opened that was for us a big reason to like keep going and and driving so that we actually can create shifts at the end of the day you know, we have majority of the team is, is, is working and some of them we were, we were able to kind of use in other parts of the business because we do have production, you know, we do have the retail and grocery business that obviously has been growing a lot, but the bars and restaurants are obviously down to zero. And then at the, at the brewery and the tap room uh, itself, the delivery business is really what has been, you know, it keeps them busy and like we use our events truck and in some cases their own cars where we can actually, you know, make sure we create shifts and, and keep growing and, and driving the business. But it's, it was like when we started, you're literally starting at zero and then you have to build up again, the pickup and delivery business. And, uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, you, you want to keep going so that you can keep creating jobs and, and, and make sure that people can actually come to work. Yeah, on my, on my end, I'm completely different from the food and beverage industry. I, I work one-on-one, you know, very private uh, interaction with the client and the kids and all that. So mine was a complete halt. And uh, social media has really been the saving grace. Just doing activities here at home with my daughter and uh, just putting it on Instagram and saying, look, you know, this is what we're doing. We're, you know, keep busy, little activities here and there. And that's really been the, the motivator for us. I deal with families a lot. So, you know, just letting them know that we're there and that uh, when this is all over, we'll be back and ready to go. Yeah. So I wanted to ask, I mean, guys, there's so much fear and uncertainty. So how is the fear and the uncertainty, how is it going to, I mean, do you guys have any idea, have you thought out how it might affect our businesses as restrictions begin to ease up are our industries or your respective industry industry is going to be impacted short-term long-term how do you guys see that because if we open our if each of us opens our doors tomorrow it's going to look probably really different than where we left it early march so how do you think each of your industries are going to face fear and uncertainty and both you know long short term and you know permanently in a way i'll start with you veronica i think that like you said, when the doors open, we are going to actually have a different setting to begin with. We're right now we're have setting a set of community communal tables. So we have really large tables where our 
vision was always for people to sit and share, even with strangers, you know, to eat next to somebody that you didn't know. And that's changing, obviously, <laughs> unfortunately, because we really love that about our restaurant. But we are already looking into smaller tables and more intimate settings and less tables in the restaurant. Also more grab-and-go items and more of like the, the market setting that we have now. It's working really well, actually. So we're going to keep that. Continue focusing a lot on pickup and delivery. And I think we, we already started working on a new way for expansion of our business. I can't share much, but we're going to continue expanding like we plan to just in a different model, in a different way, because I think the restaurant industry is going to be impacted for a long time until people feel comfortable again, you know, being in a crowded space and sharing the utensils and plates and glasses. And it's, it's, it's going to take a long, long time to recover. I really think so. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think from an on-premise restaurant bar, it's going to take a while. I think for us, the important thing is I mean, we are thankful to have a big outdoor space. So I think we're definitely going to make use of that space and space things out and, and make sure people are comfortable, control the inflow and outflow, which the grocery stores, obviously, for better or for worse, have done a good job at training people how that works. So I think if you kind of keep that flow and mentality in place, I think people will adjust to it. Everyone adjusts to lines on the floor. You know, there's, a, there's, there's small but important cues, I think, that we're definitely going to use beyond just making sure that we clean a lot and disinfect a lot. And we used to do that also before we had to close down. We totally changed how we clean the, the pub every day, what, you know, met, what uh, cleaning utensils you use and whatnot and, all, and the chemicals and whatnot. Uh, but it's definitely going to change. I mean, we also have an open space. It was always about communal tables, especially outside. You know, that obviously is going to be like, you know, you're not going to share your table with anyone. Who cares how long it is? So that's definitely going to be a while to change. And I think it will, but I think we won't see it probably until the fall, until it gets busier and, and, and you know, kind of the natural kind of season kicks in. I don't think we're going to see that much of, of a big change. Even if at some point they say, hey, you can do whatever you want now. I don't like, you know, the, the, the tempo has changed. I think the way people are going out and about, I think is, has slowed down quite a bit. I was going to say that you were being, I, I feel like you may take, I hope you're right, because I was thinking like another year until, you know, at least, but mm. I, I hope you're right. <laughs> Who knows? That's all we know is that we don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, I was going to say definitely the whole layout and strategy of customers coming into the facility is completely changed now working in on coming in one exit i mean coming in one entrance going out another exit staggering you know the instructors clean 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 definitely uh, reducing the amount of you know lessons that, that come into the facility uh, as as well as the food and beverage industry i'm sure they're limiting the the amount of customers that come in so definitely those are the measures that we've been taking yeah and our industries are definitely going to change and i think those steps that you guys all mentioned will be duly noted by you know your clients and I, you know, I think that's going to be one of the standards that when customers come in, they're going to say, do, you know, does this, does this restaurant or does this, you know, facility have the, take the right precautions? I mean, like you, I mean, you made a great point, Max, that 
uh, supermarkets are, you know, putting that in place already. And we're already starting to see that. So they've sort of paved the way for the weirdness that, you know, has become our new normal. I wanted to ask each of you guys, how do you guys create, I mean, like a lot, we're brick and mortar. <laughs> All of us are brick and mortar. So how do we create culture virtually? both with our employees and both with our clients. How do we, how do we do that? I mean, we've seen, we've seen tech companies do it. You know, most of us are not tech. Maybe we will be after this experience, but how do we, you know, how does brick and mortar create culture virtually? And how, what's been your experience with that? Other than maybe some of you touched on a little bit of social media. What other ways? I mean, have you guys, had, any of you had any success with this? I mean, I guess it's, we've obviously as a brand especially when we started we cared a lot about the experience that we created and that's how you know we got our word out people shared the experience they had at the brewery then we started packaging our beer and you kind know, of trying to translate that into our design and whatnot but i think ultimately we always want to make sure people have a great experience with our beer or at our brewery so i think for us it was really kind of when we only had the pickup and the delivery piece, we're like, we still want to communicate that on social. So that's also how, you know, we started doing videos. How do you make your own michelada? Or, you know, talk more about our beers. We did a virtual brewery tour. We, on Thursdays, are, you know, we, we call it Masque Cerveza, where we just talk for 20 minutes about our beers and the process. And we really kind of saw it as an opportunity to go deeper uh, because people are willing to listen to you maybe for 10, 15 minutes on social where before it was just, do I like the picture? Yes, I like it or not. So, so we kind of, you know, people are spending more time listening to what they're really interested in. So we, we kind of said, look, the curtain is closed, but let's talk about what's behind the curtain because normally they come to get the experience, but let's tell them a little more how we actually created the experience in the past and who the people are behind it who our brewers are, what our beers are about, how we come up with the beers. And that has worked, you know, so far has actually worked really well. So I think it's not easy and, it, and creating good quality content, as everyone knows, is a lot of work and it's not that straightforward, even though everyone on Instagram makes it look like it's easy. Uh, but I think that's really been obviously what we've focused a lot, plus e-commerce and whatnot and making sure our products are available. We, like you said, that's a, that's a beautiful idea, what you're doing. I think it's wonderful. Something that we feel that we've had more time to do now is talk directly to the customers. A lot of people are making stories or reaching out to us on Instagram Messenger. And I've just been spending a lot of time getting to know who they are, where they are. You know, when they ask me, can you ship this to me? like where are you you know are you in Orlando are you in Tampa like I'm I feel like we're getting to know more of our customers and engaging with them and having an opportunity to communicate to them you know in a very direct way which is very nice things that before we didn't have time to do and yeah just social media and improving the experience online as well I think has been We've been spending a lot of time trying to find the best platform for delivery and effective way for people to order in a way that's easy and simple and they're going to feel good about it. On my end, we, you know, we, we deal very much personally with, um, with the clients. So, you know, pen and paper kind of deal. So that has been a huge transition now, uh, you know, putting our, our forms online that the parents have to sign has been a, a big deal different for us because you know we have that interaction now we don't so kind of working with that and and doing those kinds of things through you know online 
platforms, which we've never done before. So that's been kind of our biggest transition right now, moving all of our pen and paper kind of stuff onto an online platform where the customer feels safe, we feel safe, and you know everybody's is following the guidelines. Some of these are really great. I mean, there's obviously opportunity here. I mean, I've taken the time personally to just clean house in my business. Same thing, Alvaro, you know, just getting everything digitized, putting everything online to create a more efficient system in what we do. So some of these are positive things that we're doing to our businesses. So I'll get back to that question in a minute, actually, because I, I think it's actually a great point about some of these positive things and positive changes that we're going to make as we enter the sort of new world. But I wanted to ask you before I get there, I wanted to ask you as have you guys experienced any supply chain issues? Um, you know, with respect to COVID, I can tell you from my end, I have, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a gym. So I'm searching far and wide for gym wipes. They're expensive and hard to get. I, you know, hand sanitizers thing for all of us, you know, the thought of having masks and all that, everything, the prices are just shooting up. But how are you guys, are you guys sourcing new ways to find supplies? I mean, even for myself, I'm, you know, developing new relationships with providers. So what has been your experience in this process? And is there any halt on, on the supply chain at all for you guys? Some certain items, uh, certain food items have been compromised and just out of stock. But not, I wouldn't say that it has been too much. I feel like the service has been more like Comcast. One day, can you imagine our internet wasn't working? So it was a disaster, thinking that all of our orders are coming in online. I actually was borderline panicking that day because it, you know, Comcast couldn't come. Nobody could come to help us. So we, we had to figure it out on our, on our own. But as far as getting products, no, we source a lot of things locally. You know, we have a lot of local vendors and bakers and we're still being, we've still been able to count on them. I, I don't think we've experienced anything bad so far. That's a great, that's a great point. I mean, just having that relationship even with local sources, I think is a, is a, is a great tidbit of information. Thank mm -hmm. you. Yeah, I think for us, I mean, depends on the ingredients, but I mean, what we did very early as we saw it coming, we, we stocked up on a lot of things to have like enough for about two months. If you look at our malts, the grains we use for brewing recently was like because of the reduction in oil production, there's like CO2 shortages that people were talking about used to carve uh, our beers so we kind of looked at adding another holding tank just to have enough i mean you're definitely having different conversations with your suppliers and i think one thing that is worth doing is going through your supplier lists and looking at what can you live without and what would actually put your business to a halt yeah. and and then you're obviously going to ask very different questions in the past you wouldn't ask how long can you survive if you don't get paid I'm not sure that's a question that three months ago you would have asked any supplier, but at this point, that's a very valid point. So you're like, okay, you know, you want to know how good of a footing do your key suppliers have? If they need help, how much can you help them? You know, it's, it's, I think you're just asking fundamentally different questions whenever you can. And obviously sanitizers and wipes and whatnot. I mean, we bought a, quite a bit of alcohol in bulk that we then dilute with water and put in spray bottles and whatnot. So that's the kind of stuff obviously you revert to. And we, we have that already in the brewery in general. So we just used what we had to manage uh, that kind of stuff. But, but definitely you're asking very different questions to your suppliers, given that you learned that they also can go out of business and before you just never thought about it. I was actually able to locally source face shield masks 
Okay. That was a bit of an, uh, a little adventure and it was great. And, and I got extremely lucky with that. So yeah, doing that, uh, definitely the advisors are something that's tough to get by, but there's ways of that I found. So other than that, I haven't had a supply chain problem. So. And, you know, this was a, this was a question that was posed to, posed to us from our audience. One of the questions was, what do you guys think about relationships and partners with partnerships within people within your industry? I've always had an interesting relationship with my competitors. I've actually always engaged them and I've been very open about this. I've actually like go to lunch with a lot of my competitors and we chat about business and, you know, I think we're all sort of in the same boat and within your industries have, has, you know, have people reached out? What's been your experience with business owners? Mine has been pretty positive with reaching out with people, especially during a time of vulnerability. I'm glad that I've build those relationships along the way because now we're kind of helping each other get through this and asking questions I don't think we you know normally would <laughs> but you know what's been your experience have you guys been able to connect with other business owners uh, even within the same industry or not what's been your experience with that and would you be open to that I think in in my business you know the plant-based and, and vegan food world we are we were already very connected especially in my background in Miami I was always very connected with the vegan community before so that has become stronger we post each other on social media to support each other and go visit this restaurant and that restaurant Diego and I order from different plant-based restaurants and we put it online and we say support your local businesses as far as working together and sharing like you said going to lunch and stuff that hasn't really happened but we have been supporting each other by going to their restaurant and picking up food to go and just kind of trying to spread the word about how yummy their food is and please support them as well because if there's anybody that i hope you know can last out of the food industry is the healthy foods right like we really need this we really need them to be here being competitors or not yeah i think within i mean within breweries we've always been very friendly it's uh, all the brewers are you know know each other really well and we know each other well we're obviously not afraid of, of fighting for each other's tap handles in other restaurants but at the end of the day we know each other we have each other's phone numbers and whatnot and whenever we needed help already before this was something that we would do and reach out and for example, we were like everyone running through our crawlers, which are like these 32 ounce cans that you can put beer inside uh, through really fast, you know, because of the pickup and delivery. And, uh, and then we reached out to Windward Brewing. Uh, they had some spare ones. We also called Funky Buddha. And, and at the end, Funky Buddha had some and we just bought, you know, 400 from them to keep us afloat until we got our supply. In the same way, we would have no problem selling someone whatever they need if we have enough of it. So that's, that's been even sometimes, you know, you do a brew and you suddenly realize that you're short a malt bag. It's not unheard of to walk over to a brewer and be like, hey, can I borrow a bag from you? I'll give it back to you next week. I mean, that's been something that we've been doing and definitely hasn't changed. I think what's different this time also is like with restaurants and bars that we're close with. We obviously reach out and be like, hey, is there anything you need help with? If you just want to bounce ideas off us, whatever, you know, feel free to reach out. I mean, most of them are closed, so there's really not that much we can actually do. But, but I mean, we definitely care that everyone reopens. Unfortunately, I don't think that's going to be possible. But, you know, at the end, we can only be as strong as the community we live and work in. And, you know, if there's no restaurants around us, you know, that makes our life so much more difficult. So we definitely have a very strong vested interest in making sure that every comes out of this and, and reopens again.
um, just last week, I was on a on a conference call with. Um, I was on a conference call uh, with uh, all the South Florida uh, swim schools and the state of Florida. So um, it's great. Everybody's reaching out, sharing ideas. What 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 works for them? What doesn't work for them? What safety measures are we taking? What safety measures we're not taking? And just sharing tidbits back and forth. So the line of communication is definitely open. Absolutely. And are, you know, besides reducing your staff have each, I mean, I have for sure, I'll tell you guys about, I've sat back and I've looked at, you know, is a good time. We have time to look at our expense sheets and to see how our businesses are running. And, you know, besides the risk, this was a question from the audience, but besides just the reduction in staff, you know, what other costs have you made? And will you, will you keep re those reductions in costs? You know, it's, for a lot of business owners now, we've spent some time looking at, you know, being more efficient and reducing costs that don't need to be there. Do you think some of these will be permanent for you? And, you know, what are the short-term and long-term reductions that you guys are looking at or that to maximize efficiency or, you know, to get the ball rolling back in the business? We'll be right back after this short break. If you're looking for a space to find motivated and inspired individuals for more opportunity, check out The Lab Miami. Our space is the original co-working community located in the heart of the Wynwood Arts District. We believe entrepreneurs, startups, and corporations alike need an open and inspiring place to gather, experiment, and foster connections. At The Lab, we offer creative workspace solutions, including co-working, virtual offices, dedicated desks, and full-service private office suites. We're also an event venue for off-site meetings, conferences, workshops, and receptions, alongside hosting our own curated events targeted towards entrepreneurs like you. You're invited to learn, act, and build with our innovative community. To get more involved, feel free to pass by for a visit or contact us via email at info at Learn more on our website at www.thelabmiami.com. I can go first. I think the the irony of it, like when you say reducing staff as being like the go-to, I think it really depends on each business and 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 kind of how that looks for us. Um, we we were lucky that we didn't have to do real reductions at the end of the day. We just you know worked as hard as possible to recreate the business that we had for the tap room. But the grocery business obviously grew a lot faster out of nowhere. But then obviously our on-premise bar restaurant business disappeared. So we really just had all our sales reps focus on supporting all the grocery stores, the wholesalers, and you know making sure that they had the support, no matter if it's competing brand or not, whatever the wholesaler needed help with, we were here to help and, and it was really very well received. And I think, you know, we definitely went through the entire budgets and like, you know, one is you need to rerun your numbers based on whatever you think is going to happen and you create a worst case scenario and you need to understand where your breaking points are. And that's just, you know, that's just reality. That's just is what it is and you have to adjust to that. And then from there, what we did, we looked at, you know, marketing dollars, you know, how can we make them sweat even harder? How can we get even more out of them? At the end of the day, obviously you're, you're asking yourself before you maybe you ask yourself twice. We were growing really fast. So we would ask us twice, is this a good decision? Yes, let's go. Now we'll probably ask us four or five times, is this the right investment? So I think 
you know, some of the things that I think are important is to look at which ways of working that really paid off in the past um, and then go back and reinforce those and, and change the ones that didn't. But you're still going to make mistakes. And, and, and one thing I like to think about is there's decisions that are like a two-way door. You walk through them, you can always come back. But there are some decisions that are one-way doors. And so obviously what you're trying to do right now is to not have to make any one-way door decisions because we have no idea what's going to come tomorrow. So if it's a two-way street, okay, I go down, was a mistake, I'm coming back. If it's a one-way door, it's going to feel very different if the door behind closes and you're stuck with the decision you made. I think definitely going back to Max's point about having a good relationship with your suppliers. I don't have as many suppliers as a restaurant business do, but like the pool maintenance, like my pool guys, definitely one huge cost is having a great relationship with them and speaking with them and see if we can cut down costs, which we were able to do because you have that great relationship. Do I plan on seeing that for you know, the rest, or, you know, we came into an agreement that for the time being, since we had such a good connection and a good relationship, we would weather the storm as I would try to keep him afloat as long as he can keep me afloat. And when everything is back to normal and, and we are up and running again and revenues coming in, then, you know, I definitely think if a supplier is willing to work with you or in my case, somebody who does maintenance for me, you know, once everything's back up and running and, you know, there's a little bit extra left in the budget, I would definitely reward that person for being there for me, you know, because it, it's helped out tremendously. Yeah, Alder, I think you raised a great point about, you know, sharpening our negotiating skills as well and beginning just to have those, you know, open conversations and, and express that vulnerability and, and letting our our partners know where exactly we're coming from and, and wanting to also have a long-term relationship with them as well. I think that is a great way of, great way of handling a conversation as opposed to coming perhaps from a place of fear, which I'm sure some of us come from as well. I also wanted to touch on one big point that we haven't talked about yet, which is that we are all brick and mortar. So, you know, what do you guys think is going to happen to the retail space? I mean, Max and Veronica, you were all in the same neighborhood. So, <laughs> you know, I, I have thought about a lot, you know, what has been, you know, what are your, I'd love for you guys to share what your thoughts are on the retail space in general, on the market, on rents, and how you guys, if you guys are open to discussing and feel free to you know to chime in whenever but if you guys are open to discussing what kind of negotiations you're having or facing or, or hardship or difficulty you're facing because for some of us you know even a deferment doesn't make sense or is really hard because you know let's say we we've got 90 days and then all of a sudden 90 days we're slapped with uh with a pretty high uh high invoice there so what are what have been some of the negotiations you've had or the conversations you've had anything to share on that well, what Max mentioned earlier about the landlord considering that it would be a lot easier to keep us um, going in business and getting a new tenant, I think that would definitely be the smartest thing for a landlord to do. However, we were slapped with a rent is still due email because we didn't get any support and you were getting the support from the government which we haven't gotten yet. And we were able to kind of negotiate halfway in a way that I'll pay you what I can now. And if I do get any support, then I don't mind paying you the rest. But I do think it's going to come to a point that even landlords that have a lot of um, properties, you know, there's a lot, there's going to be a lot of people that are not going to come back to those properties and they should really take care of the ones that are still there and that showed some good faith and that did pay whatever they could. I think that would be the smartest thing to do. 
otherwise there has been already happening it, it already started happening that we're getting some crazy offers for new locations with nine months free of rent wow. and 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 TI money, you know, a lot of it pr pretty much ready to move in. So I think for restaurants or businesses that do have a good financial, you know, situation and they can expand, it might be a good time to to do so according to the new normal, right? In a smart way. Like we are adapting a lot to takeout and delivery and grab and go market. So if you're adapting and flowing with the situation, you can continue building and continue growing. I think there will be a lot of new opportunities for cheaper locations and good deals with restaurants that didn't make it, that are not coming back, you know, fully equipped. Even if you need to buy restaurant equipment cheap right now is the time, you know, and there's probably a lot of auctions. And so, yeah, it's unfortunately that it's unfortunate that some won't open, but for those that are strong enough and have a huge bank account, so they can continue to grow and they will get, I think, much cheaper opportunities. I mean, I think the irony with landlords is, I mean, to one side, you need to understand their pressures too. Like, you know, you don't know how they financed uh, the properties, they have very strict covenants. And if you're late, that triggers, you know, a shit storm on their, on their end. So, you know, it's, it's always a, I mean, the moment this started hitting, I got a phone call from every single landlord just checking in on, hey, how are you doing? Are we okay? And then we are obviously in the lucky situation where, where the grocery business keeps, you know, is alive and doing really well. So for us, we haven't really had that big of an issue. What we definitely did was where possible, we moved cash flow. You know, most people came back and said, look, I'm going to need this within 2020 because those are my covenants. So we just said, okay, can we take one or two months and spread it out? through the second half of the year. Everyone was very open to that. I mean, I think at the end of the day, if you approach it, and it's the same with suppliers, you know, like Alvaro mentioned, you have to help each other. And if you have a good relationship, you need to understand how far they can lean out the window and, and, and how far they're willing to work with you. And then usually you can find a solution that, you know, it's obviously not perfect for anyone, but it, it, it gives you a chance to keep going and, and make sure you have a better chance. And, and on our side, we definitely, you know, our landlords were, were, uh, were very positive about it. And, and, uh, and we had always good relationships before. So I think that, you know, it pays off if you started on the right foot, the relationship. Definitely. Same thing. Good relationship with the landlord. Something that, that any business owner does is, is they plan, you know, they, they plan and, and you don't know that this was going to happen, but having a good nest egg or a good, oh, you know, hurricane, you know, we do live, uh, well, I have to worry about hurricane more than anything, but I'm sure everybody else does. But I mean, I'm outdoors, so I have to plan for if something hits, you know, have something there left to, to cover myself for X amount of months. So definitely have a good relationship with your landlord to, to see if they can give you a break. But um, definitely plan ahead is is always my main strategy. So thank you guys. Yeah, that was that's a there's a lot of uh, opportunity on this in this meeting and on this webinar. So that this is a really positive and some positive improvements and and learning on conversations and negotiation. We have a question from the audience and is you know that surrounding the idea that there's a lot of mixed feelings from consumers about re-entering our establishment uh what can we do as business owners like you mentioned some of the logistical things like putting out the sanitizer you know doing the same things that grocery stores are doing but what can we do to get people to come out sooner to our establishments and and is it ethically 
should we ethically do that? You know, what are the precautions that we want to take? What message are we sending our employees as well in this process? Because, you know, I think about it too. I think, you know, am I risking, you know, a client's potential life or, uh, you know, my, my employee's potential life by putting them back into the business. And, you know, we, I'm starting to see an ease of restrictions and there is a sense of accountability as entrepreneurs or owners of businesses to, you know, make sure that we're taking all the precautions necessary. But how do we navigate those kind of murky waters and, and make sure that we're doing our best and look, no, no, we, we want ultimately everyone to be safe and ourselves included in that equation to be safe as well. So I'm just wondering, what are, what are the things that you guys are thinking about through this and some of the ethical considerations you guys have had? Oh, I'll take the lead on that one. Well, it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword, I would say, because are you going to be a drill sergeant? Are you going to be policing people all the time? Well, no, you can't do this and you need to walk in like this. So it's, it's very tough. You want to keep everybody safe. You want to have the right guidelines in. But then on top of all this, you want people to follow suit and really listen and pay attention to, to what you're, you're adhering, you're, what you're putting out there because you're trying to keep your staff safe and you're trying to keep them safe. So it's tough. But I think if you come out strong with a, a, you know, a strong guidelines and something that you give the customer right off the bat, uh, whether you're calling in for appointments or if you're an establishment and you have, you know, right before you walk in, you have your, you know, I, I don't know, your, your rules or, or something that you say in your statement saying like, listen, we're, we're, we're adhering by these guidelines. This is the way that we're going to run our operation. We hope that you follow it that way. And if not, you know, we're going to have to, you know, talk to you or whatnot. But I find it, it's, it's a very, very tricky situation because you want to be uh, comforting and you want to have people back in your doors but at the same time you want to keep everybody safe so it's a very touchy yeah you know touchy situation so yeah i think for us i mean you know we do sell alcohol so i think i I would draw from that experience so far in the sense that you know we have the experience on how you have to cut off people when they're obviously you know had too many beers or too drunk you know we've always had the policy that we would order somebody an uber or a lyft and send them home and and you know so that's and it would be on our cost and 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 so it's 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 taking from that idea the same way that you know one you want to encourage people to be responsible but at the same time in the end you can't protect people from themselves so if somebody wants to be stupid about it all we can do is not here please leave and i think that's from from like from our taproom perspective i think that's how i would approach it because at the end of the day our goal and we've done it from the beginning we followed all the guidelines and and those guidelines are written by you know people that uh, know what they're doing and and so far i have to say they've all made a lot of sense uh you know the cdc guidelines as much as what has been coming from the governor and and, and from a federal level uh, you know or local level you know at the end it's, it's really up to each individual to make the decisions. The masks are a good example. Yes, you're, you have to wear them in a supermarket, but other than that, it's really your own decision. Now, if you want to wear them all the time or you're going to wear them only when you go into the supermarket, you know, you can you see every day everyone is making their own choice. Uh, you see older people that are obviously at risk that are like, you know what, I'm old enough, I don't care. There's other people that are really worried. So at the end, you have to give enough space to each individual to make their own decisions. But then the ones that are willing to come out, you also want to make sure they actually have a good experience. So there is no, you know, you have to respect both. And I think this is obviously going to be a challenge for us. And, and we'll have to think through how you manage the flow 
how you make sure that you know you you adjust to this new reality but at the same time you know i guess from our point of view is like if you can't behave you just don't come but but i think that's as far as i would go because starting policing people inside your establishment is definitely not something you want to get into you well, think you're going to come back with masks and like you know and and are going to here to the you know six feet or maybe it's going to come three yeah. feet or two feet, whatever yeah, it's, it's interesting because we are in a hospitality business and the customer has always been treated like whatever they want, whatever they say is the right thing. And we've always gone above and beyond to make sure that customers are happy and it's their way, right? And yeah. it's it has shifted a little bit for us because the safety of our staff and the safety of our customers are the most important things right now. and I care more about that than a Google review, to be honest. And, and if they're going to come in the store without Matt, which happens, you know, people try to come in in a group completely disregarding any safety guidelines without a mask. And we have to say in a very nice way, I'm so sorry, you cannot come in without a mask. We need you to cover your face somehow. We do have masks for sale. I even gave some away to customers that didn't have it. And for the safety of, of, the other customers that do care and for the safety of our staff that are risking their lives to be there right to make food and to sell it to them so i think that hospitality aspect has kind of shifted on us because the customer what they want is not the most important thing is like how do we need to get things done to to keep that safety and the second point that i wanted to make is that we have an open kitchen and we always had an open kitchen so you can watch your food being made and we always, we didn't wear masks before, but we did a lot of obviously uh, cleaning, but we always cooked with gloves on. And now we do have masks that we made for the staff. We provided the masks. So every single person is wearing a mask and is wearing gloves. And every single soap that we have is antibacterial soap. Even when I said I was in Brazil, when it first happened, I brought a luggage full of antibacterial soap that was still available there and wasn't available here yet. And yeah, it's just, you know, we, we bought a thermometer that you can do from far to measure everybody's temperature. We have that if you feel sick or you're around anybody that's sick, you will get paid to stay home. You know, we want to make sure they know that, that there is an, an opportunity for sick leave if you are sick. So nobody has shown any signs of anything any symptoms and they they will not come to work if they do so we're doing as as much as possible to keep everyone safe and i know how important it is to eat from a clean space and like i said we were always clean and transparent with an open kitchen and we'll stay that way yeah i think veronica you mentioned a little bit about you know some of the like you mentioned some of these short-term changes you guys have made in your business for you guys what are the long-term changes that you think will like forever impact our businesses i mean i've sat there and i've i've been doing a lot of reading on on the internet and i've been reading about my industry specifically in fitness and i'm just seeing a whole world of digital platforms that have opened up and you know it's so interesting to see people who were in the space prior and they're just massively benefiting because people are at home and they were doing this for so long. But I've also seen the growth of digital formats and what I do in an exponential way. And so I wonder how even like my brick and mortar business will, you know, 
how will it be affected with a digital platform? So many options for digital platforms, so many options for trainers online. Um, and if people have that fear to come into the business, you know, at least short term, let's say three months or six months, you know, are they going to turn to that instead? I mean, we navigated towards a virtual platform, but how do you think each of your industries will be forever impacted? Well, I think you nailed it. I think the digital platform, I think things like a pandemic, they really shape our our entire generation, right? And it changes their historical marks in our in our life that will be before coronavirus and post coronavirus. And it's it's never going to be the same. I, I don't think. So it's just thinking with the flow and adapting with the new the new norm. And I think digital platform is going to be a huge deal even for restaurants. So just focusing more on that and giving that more attention than the coming in and dining in experience, you know, still keeping that experience amazing when, when it does happen, but not having that as the only experience and, and really investing on the new normal because we're humans and it takes less than a month for you to adapt to new habits. And I think these habits have been implemented in all of us, you know, a lot of great ones, which is spending more quality time with family, resting more, you know, just being outdoors, exercising. I see people doing that all the time. I think it's wonderful. I hope they stay. But I also think that a lot of other things that are happening, like you mentioned, digital exercising. I'm loving my garage gym and I might keep that for a while. So we need to adapt and be smart about it. Do we want to continue doing what we do, what we love? You know, so what's going to be the new way of doing that? Definitely adapting being a, a pen and paste, pen and pencil type business. Getting on an online platform has been something that hugely adapting to, but also starting from scratch, letting, you know, little by little starting small and and then growing into what you used to be, you know? So definitely that. Yeah, I think despite all the change, there are some things that just haven't changed. And, and one is that we like to hang out with other human beings and, you know, have a conversation or drink a beer together and, and, and eat a meal together. So I think while it's gonna take quite a while to come for people to get comfortable again, to, you know, go into a bar, go into a restaurant. And I, and I think being, clean place obviously on a visual level will make a big difference how many people are in the space how are you adjusting to the new baseline or the new you know kind of vibes that that we expect right now but after that i think at the same time people will still want to spend time with each other now how i think is the question and how that changes is what we're going to see play out but I think this, this need and want to kind of connect on a very human level, I don't think that's really going to change. And, and I, I mean, even before COVID-19, one thing that I was observing is that, that, you know, we would see a lot more people and also younger people really come and just have a beer at the pub instead of like being always on the phone and whatnot. And I think that's, you know, there's always a big trend and there's like this counter pull. And I think that's, that's here to stay. Fortunately, it's going to take a while until we, we get back to it. But I don't think that's going to go away. I mean, I don't, I don't think suddenly people are going to do dinners over Zoom. I mean, that sounds like a horrible experience. I'm like, you know, I just don't think that's going to happen. Like some people might do it, but, but I find that a pretty sad uh, uh, future outlook. So I'm going to prefer sitting, you know, face to face, having a beer and, and, and eating a meal together. Hey, man, like, there's... 
I didn't mean Zoom dinner. <laughs> I meant just growing in a digital platform. No, no, no. I know you didn't mean okay. a Zoom dinner. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> saying that it's like a really sad outlook. You know, if you imagine that that would be the future, we're like, no, thank you. I, I agree with you. I think the community aspect will still be there. And I think we're still going to want to connect, connect in some way. And I wonder how each of our businesses be able to maintain, like, let's say there's a second wind of this, you know, we get a second, we get a second blush at this, what are, what we're going to do differently. I wanted to ask each of you guys, because I think this is a really important point, especially because, you know, we're sort of the leaders, we, we can be viewed as the leaders of, you know, of our community and within our staff. And, you know, but we also go through our ups and downs and we are also affected by stress. And of course, this has been, you know, difficult on many levels. And one piece of advice I had gotten early on about this from someone was try not to sugarcoat it and try not to, you know, glorify the experience in some capacity, to be honest, obviously not to a devastating, you want, we want to stay positive. But what have you guys done? Any, any tidbits for the audience about how to deal with stress, stress management, kind of the highs and lows of being an entrepreneur? Or, you know, how do you guys manage stress through this? I exercise every day. <laughs> I love exercising. I have been drinking more wine than lately. <laughs> but that's, that's, I don't recommend that one. I think yeah, when I exercise, going outside, going in the, I've been going in the sun more than before, just being outdoors in nature, you know, spending time with my dogs. I think those are very valuable things to do, you know, just being outdoors and taking a break, leaving your phone at home, balancing your you time with, because we can be always connected, right, to, to our work because we have our phones on us and an employee texts or you get an email or like we're always on. So I think just taking some time off and not connecting while you exercise or walk your dogs or whatever is very important. Yeah, definitely family time has been huge, a huge de-stressor. Just spending time with the family, uh, you, you know, when we're working is it's a hundred, you know, I leave at eight in the morning, I get back at 10 o'clock at night. So definitely being home more, it's been great. And, and just enjoying the simple things in life, just relaxing and sitting outside and watching the neighborhood has is, is been good it's been a good de-stressor and just kind of like leaving your worries behind yeah i think i mean just listen to yourself i guess i mean everyone knows what helps them and what doesn't and and i like to work out it helps a lot i also once a week just like to sleep in it makes a big difference for me as well um you know a beer at the end of the day makes a very big difference to me as well but it's just like having those moments where you treat yourself and allow yourself to just unwind and you know different people do that in different ways which i think is just important that you do it and you take care of yourself because if you start taking out on a team that's a you know that's a recipe for disaster and and you definitely don't want to do that yeah and i we're getting close to six o'clock it is six o'clock so i just wanted to ask one final question to each of you which is you know any final lessons learned or silver lining in this so that you know the audience can you know anything anything that has been very impactful for you um through this process that you'd want to you know any final words that you kind of want to share with the audience just definitely plan ahead now knowing what you or what we all have gone through right now this is definitely if it wasn't a wake-up call before it should be a wake-up call now definitely have a strategy just have a plan set and and just remember, it's going to be okay when everything does get back and rolling. Just little by little, I, I always say, you know, just start little by little. Don't open the doors and everything comes back in. Just little by little and work your way and, you know, build your, your, your empire. Just like you had it before, just have a plan set. 
for when tragedy strikes or, or a big pandemic strikes, you know, just be ready for it. I guess for me, it was kind of twofold. One, I think it was a good reminder that reality is like kind of a mental construct that we make real. And the flip side of that is you can change it. So, you know, whatever you're in, whatever is your reality, you can actually change it at the end of the day. And, and I guess COVID-19 showed us that it's not a question of, in, of if, it's just a question of by whom and when. And so I think that for me was definitely a big one to remember that the status quo can be changed. Um, and the other thing is also that, you know, things do pay off. Like, you know, we took our time to build a team. We cared a lot about the culture we created. And it definitely paid off to have the right people on the team. So I think that's, uh, you know, I think those two things definitely don't, don't forget that, you know, doing it right early and taking your time eventually will pay off. Yeah, I agree. I think something that we, we have, I think Diego and I both share as partners, and we are partners in business and in life. So it's interesting because everything that we're going through this, we're going through together. We are very good at adapting to situations instead of, you know, freaking out or making bad decisions and overreacting. And instead, we're, we're really good at looking at the situation and saying, how can we make the best out of this? And how can we continue moving this business and, and creating more jobs, right? Like, oh, we're going to depend on delivery services right now. Then let's just switch to our own delivery, something that we never had before. And let's put our staff that lost their hours to work as delivery services. Let's open a mini market. Let's start packing our own. You know, it, everything has changed as far as the strategy and the focus of the business. And I think you need to be open to that. You need as an entrepreneur and a business owner, you need to be able to fall and start over at any time. And if you build something that has integrity and, and a business that, like you said, the staff is a, a solid team and your product is solid and you have a solid amount of customers that trust you and they have built a relationship with you you have that freedom to reinvent and have them their feedback you know everybody be there for you and with you while you go through the changes but it's important to change with the situation because we never know what's going to happen and what's going to happen so if we keep our our minds open to changing then everything will be fine and worst worst case scenario you start a different business and it's it's okay you know it's 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 knowing that it's fine it's not gonna be the end well thank you guys so much this was impactful for me and very insightful and thank you guys thank you to our audience who tuned in today we were so excited to have so many people sign up this webinar will be available on podcast and on youtube so if you want to pass it along to your friends or take a listen again will be available for you thank you veronica max alvaro this was amazing and rachel for organizing so Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Like what you just heard? If you would like your business or platform to be mentioned on our podcast, we now have sponsorship options available. Email us at podcast at thelabmiami.com for a spot on the Big Idea Box. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review the Big Idea Box podcast. And remember, always share with a friend. 
Stay connected and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Big Idea Box.